we're moving into a new series, obviously. New year, new series. The Mirror. The first week of, uh, in fact, you know, it was, it was interesting as we, as we were closing down uh, 2019, I had so many conversations with, with different people about how, how much they were looking forward to like 2020. A lot of complaints about last year, about looking forward to, uh, to 2020. And um, it hasn't gone so well, has it? I woke, like, woke up to text from Danny about World War III, which isn't actually unusual for Danny to text me about World War III. It is unusual for him to be serious, though. So it was a disconcerting week. We were kind of all hoping for 2020, maybe 2021, you know, I don't know. <laughs> what I found most interesting uh, about this whole week and about, you know, kind of all of, the, all the stuff that's been going around the news and all of that was how disturbed everybody was. It, 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 it's just, it's fascinating to me how much hope there is in each and every one of us. How much hope there was that 2020 would be a better year. How, how disappointed and disheartened everybody was when things looked and felt like they were kind of collapsing all of a sudden. I said last week um, that I don't think I've ever met anyone who hoped that the next year would be worse than the previous year. I think that's still true. Right? We all move in hope. All of you are so chock full of hope today. I see you. Every one of you got in your car thinking you would make it here today, right? No one thought, well, let's not go to church, honey, because we're going to die in a flaming car crash on the way in. No, you all came. You all hoped and you all made it. And if your kids said, no, we're not going to church because we might die on the way, Dad, you would say, shut up and get in the car, grab your Bible, we're going to church, right? Because that hope happens in every movement of our lives. Every time you take a step out of bed, you are hoping that something good will happen. You are hoping that the next moment or the next day or the next thing, that whatever it is, the next step we take, somehow the grass under our feet will be greener. Hope permeates everything you do. Everything you do. Every bite you take, every breath you take, every step you take, hope permeates everything. And sometimes we don't just recognize how much God has poured into us so that we can keep going through this dark world. How much hope is buried in each and every one of you. And my goal this morning is to bring it out, to make us a people full of hope. We've been digging into this verse here. For now, we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now, faith, hope, and love abide. These three. But the greatest of these is love. And last week we talked a bit about this. And by way of review, I shared with you that when we look in the mirror frequently, at least for me anyway, I see the places where I'm lumpy <laughs> or graying or failing or wishing I was something else. Oftentimes we look into the mirror and we see just the things that we don't like. But Paul seems to suggest here that if we could see through the mirror and our reflection purely, if we could know ourselves as we have been known, if we could know ourselves as God knows us, we would actually find great hope already within ourselves. We would find 
It's sort of like this. Paul uses that metaphor. He uses the mirror dimly because remember last week I said that their mirrors were made out of polished metal and so it wasn't very good. And the, the, the closest equivalent I can think of is like when you get out of the shower and you get a steamy mirror, right? You've all done that. You get out of the shower, you get that steamy mirror, you can maybe barely see yourself, or maybe there's just the top half and you can just see this part and you're pretty happy about that, like this part right here is pretty good, everything underneath, but right here, A-OK, baby. So you got that mirror, it's all fogged up. But what Paul seems to suggest here is that if you could take that hand and you could just wipe it across that mirror, and you could look into that mirror, and you could see yourself the way God sees you, you would see this. Because we can Because let's not sell ourselves too highly up. When we look in the mirror, even on the best days, God is still pouring himself into people who look like that. And look like you and look like me. What an incredible thing to say. That when we look in the mirror... We should see faith, hope, and love because that is what God is pouring into us through his Holy Spirit. And that is what he wants out of us as we walk and live and move and exist in our being. God sees something great in us even when we don't see greatness in ourselves. I'm reminded of this, it's a lengthy quote and so I apologize for that, but it's a, it's a really great quote. It's the last chunk of a, a very famous essay called The Weight of Glory by C.S. Lewis, but it's a, it's a lovely section. So if you just bear with me, I really wanna share it with you. It goes like this. This is C.S. Lewis, The Weight of Glory. He says, there are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilization, these things are mortal, and their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. This does not mean that we are to be perpetually solemn. We must play, but our merriment must be of that kind. It, it is, in fact, the merriest kind, which exists between people who have been from the outset taking each other seriously. No flippancy, no superiority, no presumption. And our charity must be a real and costly love with deep feelings for the sins in spite of which we love the sinner. No mere tolerance or indulgence which parodies love as flippancy parodies merriment. Next to the blessed sacrament, and here he refers to the time of communion we just spent. Next to the time of communion itself, your neighbor is the holiest object presented to your five senses. If he or she is your Christian neighbor, he or she is holy in almost the same way. For in him or her, also Christ, vera letatet, the glorifier and the glorified. Glory himself is truly hidden. And where is that glory hidden? Look around this room. Do it. Command it. <laughs> Look around this room. Glory is hidden in every person walking through here. 
which bears a very important question, doesn't it? Have we treated each other this way? Our kids, the kids, the spouse, the neighbor, the enemy, the friend. So, all of this brings me to my first point, which is to say that God first hopes in us. All of this is to say, haven't you wondered why God didn't come and just kind of end it? Just finish it. Just make the judgment, fix it all, be done with it. But instead, we have John 3.16 in its follow-up verse, which has been kind of a theme verse for about a year for me as I've just been mulling this over, over and over again. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Many times in your life, you have heard people stand up and say to you, failure, loser, not worth it, condemn you for the past, shame you for the past, shame you for the present. I don't know what it is, but whatever it is that God has done, he has come into this world to say, I'm not here to condemn, I'm here to bring you home. I'm here to draw you in. I'm here to save you. I think that's crazy. I think it's crazy that God is the first to hope. And how and why do I say he hoped? Because he created the world and then he made us and he set us in the midst of the world and he said, tend it. And we said we'd rather burn it. So we did. Then he came to Abraham and gave us Israel and said, see my glory. And we said, no, we'd rather persecute it. And then he gave us Jesus. In flesh, God comes in all of his incarnation and glory. And what does he come to do? He heals the sick. He casts out demons. He feeds people. He teaches people. He calls them to love and mercy. And so there's only one thing we could think to do. Kill him. And so up from the grave he rose to call forth all those who would see in his life, his death, and his resurrection, in that path of meekness and weakness and humility and submission to God, to find in that resurrection. And he promises resurrection for those who would put their hope in him, even as he puts our, his hope in us. We read a verse out of Romans. It says, we love because he first loved us. Do you ever memorize that? Maybe some of you grew up in church. We love. In other words, the goodness of God came first. We saw the goodness of God and responded to it. He demonstrated his love for us. We saw that love and responded. What if we turned that just a little bit to say, we hope because God first hoped in us. That he made a beautiful world full of verdancy and life. It's full of everything we could possibly want or need. And he said, you can tend it. You can love one another. You can put your hopes there. I like that idea a lot. Because a lot of people have not hoped in me. A lot of people have written me off. Shoot, half the time I write myself off. Can I get a witness, right? <laughs> we have a hard time loving ourselves, let alone loving one another. But I love I love this idea of hope, um, especially because the idea that God loves us is kind of not a big deal. I, I love the way Rich Mullins put it. Rich Mullins put it, oh, I accidentally turned this thing off. We'll edit that. 
Rich Mullins put it this way. He, he was often talked, talked about um, how people would say, isn't it great that God loves us? This is his response to the idea that God loves us. He says, that doesn't make me special. That just proves that God ain't got no taste. And I don't think he does. In fact, we're probably living proof that he doesn't. <laughs> and I don't think he does. Thank God. Because he takes the junk of our lives and makes the most beautiful art. And that is a way, I think, of Rich saying, God hopes in us. That he believes in our potential. Which is why when he built the church, he gave us in Ephesians 4 this instruction that the existence of the church is to help equip saints, to equip you, whether you're six or you're 60, whether you have a learning disability or you're the smartest person in the room, it doesn't matter who you are. God has faith that you have a gift to be given and you have a gift to give and that all of that is essential and necessary for the living body. There is no part of your body that you will let me scalpel off before you leave this place, correct? Anybody? Right? We need all... I want to go home just like this, right? We need the whole body and the whole body that is presented right here. Every single individual, every single person, great or small, young or old, weak or strong, whoever you are and whatever you are, you are needed here as a part of the body of Christ. God hopes in you. He doesn't just love you. He sees potential in you. He sees purpose in you. He sees promise in you. And that is why he fills you with his Holy Spirit and sends you into the world to be his light, to teach others faith and hope and love so that they might cling to the things that abide because so many people, so many people are clinging to things that don't abide. They're clinging to things that die. They're clinging to things that die. And they're dying with it. And if you love them, if you care about them, then you will bear in you eternity so that they might see it. Be captured by it and want it too. Because the purpose of all of this, as cheesy and bumper sticker as it is, is that we are hashtag blessed to be a blessing, right? That is why we exist. Written into our covenant from the very beginning, from the first words that God gave to Abraham was this, I am blessing you, but don't you dare hoard it. I blessed you that you might bless others. So God hopes in us so that we can hope in others. God's hope is lost. It's meaningless. If all it does is stay with you, what was that about? Is that who God is? No, God is the one who continues to bless. He's like the rock in the pond and the, the, the ripples just spread and spread. That is the power of Jesus. That is the power of Jesus. A first century Jewish carpenter that we are worshiping this morning, Right? That is how God demonstrates his love in a way you cannot anticipate, but with so much grace and beauty that God is hoping that you'll grab it. Uh, there's a song, and it left my mind. So, <laughs> faith, hope, and love. Uh, I learned this verse Back in Sunday school, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not, do not see. Anybody ever, ever heard that one? 
God is calling us to faith, and that faith directs us toward a hope, and that hope is definitely directed towards what is to come. In fact, as he goes on, he talks about the way people are shaped who have been captivated by the love the great affection for God. It looks like this. He says that all of those people who have been captured by this great love, who have put their hope in what is to come, they all died in faith, not having received what was promised. Their hope was never fully achieved until after death. Having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth, for people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland If they have been thinking of the land from which they had gone out, their homeland, right? They could have gone back to their homeland. But as it is, they desired a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. I like that a lot. Because it calls us towards the future, but it calls us toward the future in the present as well. Like these are moments that we are called to recognize the eternity that we are called to. And I love this idea of faith being, faith being the direction of my hope that I don't yet see. Right? We, we get that idea for the future. We get that idea for heaven or the kingdom of God. Whatever metaphor you want to use to grab it. But wouldn't it be awesome if we could take that hope that we have in the future and move that in such a way that we put that hope in one another. Like that we could literally hope in the potentiality of each other. (coughs) Because what we tend to do is we tend to expect the best out of our friends and the worst out of everyone else, right? We get mad at, uh, at everyone, and we get, we get, we get we, this thing happens quickly. I, I don't know if you do this, I do this. I'll uh, be frustrated about something, and then I'll blow up and rant. Any ranters in the room? All the wives are laughing. Actually, you should have seen how many wives I saw just laugh right now. <laughs> ranters in the room. And I'll go off about how it's stupid, and the people who made it are idiots, and blah, 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 blah. And then have you ever heard like a simple explanation for why they're doing it the way they are, and then you feel like really stupid and childish, you're like, oh, that makes a lot of sense, never mind, I was wrong. (laughs) And you feel really stupid and childish, because you're really stupid and childish, you just threw a fit, right? (laughs) So you should feel stupid and childish, because you were. And we do this, right, because we expect so often the worst. We don't actually hope. But hope could work differently, my brothers and sisters. When I didn't understand something, if hope were directing me, perhaps I would assume that I simply just didn't understand and that the people who made it weren't idiots. Hope hope might direct me that when my kids mess up, instead of screaming at them or punishing them or thinking they're idiots or just kind of that knee-jerk reaction, what do you think you're doing? Perhaps I would just realize that they don't know what they're doing and they are idiots and they need direction and that's what they need. And if I hoped them in them, you know, I've seen a lot of parents who loved their kids but didn't think they would amount to much. And I don't know what house you were raised in or what your life looks like, but I want to say to every one of you today, that that is not the kind of father God is. He is the kind of father who loves you and sees in you great things. Which is why 
he saw such value in you that he said, I will die for this one. And then I will live with this one forever. Hope would change my attitude at work. When my boss is overly rude, I might wonder why she's stressed. What is it that's bearing down on her that that she has to come down on me? I might wonder in the doctor's office who kept me waiting for an hour this week, how much burden he must be under to, to, to fix all of these bodies that are broken. Hope would call me to patience Hope would call me to grace. Hope would call me to expect the best. Hope would call me that when someone wrongs me or betrays me, I am immediately willing to accept my place in the situation and my willingness and readiness to forgive. And some of us do this really well. We call it marriage. I love fighting with my wife. I'll do it right now, right in front of all y'all. You want to do it? Right here. I love it. I love fighting with her because I know she's not going anywhere. And I'm not going anywhere. And so we can fight for a couple of days. But we'll make it work. Because she hopes in me and I hope in her. We hope in one another. We do this in so many different places, in so many different ways. My, 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 my plea this morning is that you would expand that hope. That you would make it bigger. That it wouldn't just remain with you and your family. But that it would expand beyond to the people who annoy the crap out of you. <laughs> even if that's your family, (laughs) whoever that might be, that you would expand that hope and you would make it bigger and more beautiful because it can be so big and so beautiful. If you think about 2020 and you think about what it is, the way that people stereotype Christians, they don't stereotype us as the people of hope. And I'm not saying they got it all right. And I'm not saying we're all wrong. But they're not all wrong either. We're not the people of hope. And we have already started off a really rocky year in the world out there. But every one of you know just what C.S. Lewis just said, that art, culture, languages, even nations will rise and fall, and you will live forever. You are beyond, better, greater than every single problem Every single greater destruction, every single, everything that's, everything, you are greater than it. God is going to lift us up and bring us up and take us. So my call there is for us to become that kind of people because God is faithful and just. If we could draw on that hope, if we could pull it forward into our lives, if we could clear that mirror up in such a way as to see how much God has hoped in us and at the same time how much hope we have for the future and therefore allow it to draw us into having so much hope for one another and so much less fear about tomorrow, hope could really change us. Hope could really shape us and that's why we find it first in God. And that's why God pours it out into us in the Holy Spirit. In fact, that's what it says. Uh, The hope does not disappoint us because he has poured it out into our Holy Spirit, into into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So this is what we are called to, be the people of great and glorious hope. As we come to the conclusion this morning, I'm going to invite you all to stand up. The band's going to come forward. I want to end with a blessing. We don't do this a whole lot. Um... But there's this beautiful blessing in Romans and Paul's just kind of going on and and going through and he's talking about all of the great things that God is 
going to do and has done, especially in Jesus. And then he immediately just sort of like belts out. It's almost like if you're you're reading it, it's, it's just like he yells it out. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. May that be true of us. Amen. Let's sing the song.